So Zephaniah begins with decreation, with prophetic vision. He describes a world unraveling. The word of the Lord comes to him. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth. I will sweep away humans and animals and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. First the humans, then the animals, then the fish. Genesis inverted. Creation in reverse. World undone. We can deduce that the unraveling may continue all the way back to the chaos over which God's wind-breath spirit hovers. The day of the Lord, Zephaniah says, will be a day of wrath. Distress and anguish, ruin and devastation, darkness and gloom. It's quite a sobering way to begin a book of the Bible. It's also a sobering way to begin a sermon <laughs> on this Third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete Sunday, Rejoicing Sunday, the Sunday of joy. What am I doing? <laughs> but before Zephaniah gets to the joy, the prophet must tell the truth about what's happening. When he surveys the city of Jerusalem, he sees corruption among the ruling authorities, complacency among the people. When Zephaniah considers his people and his nation and his prayers, he realizes something like a creeping numbness has begun to spread. Maybe even a smugness. He actually overhears someone, or at least one person on the street, saying, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do harm. It's kind of an agnostic version of that irksome phrase we hear so often today. It is what it is. This numbness, this indifference has come to a head. Zephaniah calls it out, names it, and offers this stark warning. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of judgment. And Jerusalem is right in the crosshairs. Zephaniah is just one of the 12 so-called minor prophets that pronounce judgment. Spend some time reading through these shorter books of the Bible, and uh, you'll, you'll end up in some dark corners. <laughs> uh, many of those dark corners here tell of this thing called the day of the Lord. Amos, for example, says the day of the Lord will be like someone running away from a lion, turning a corner only to be met by a bear. <laughs> Surprise! Or finding some rest by leaning against a wall only to begin to feel the burning sensation of a serpent's bite. The minor prophets will keep you up at night. Though Zephaniah is not among the most dog-eared books of the Bible, I confess, certainly not in mine, I still believe we can hear this prophecy stretch out over our time. His wisdom connects with us, with our situation in life, in our own country, even in our own church. We share some of the same kinds of frustrations and disappointments, I think, with Zephaniah. Our hearts strain along some of the same fibers and veins as his. Zephaniah witnessed his, con his contemporaries. His peers defile and contaminate holy places and holy things with, quote, violence and fraud, like counterfeit stewards of the mysteries. Imagine it must 
been like to be him and see those things. He witnessed those in places of authority disseminating lies and twisting the truth until it was really difficult to tell the difference between the truth and a lie. And Zephaniah was also very vexed by common people who could tolerate so much injustice. There was something like a great desensitization. As though everyone were on the same mind-numbing prescription. Even if they didn't take those pills and wash them down with the Kool-Aid, they were likely to, less likely to raise their, their voices over injustice just because they were so exhausted by everything else. Had less energy to withstand the pushback or the bullies. When I think of a modern-day Zephaniah, a minor prophet of our time, I think of ta Coates, especially the prophetic ending of his book, Between the World and Me, where he traces a linear progression of decreation from the plundering of human bodies for profit to the plundering of creation itself. What he calls fire in the sky or the effect of climate change will be the earth's vengeance for what we've done and continue to do to creatures and creation. I believe Zephaniah might say after reading Ta-Nehisi Coates, that rings true. As we enjoy this cooler pause among eerily warm December days, as our region continues to recover from floods, as our nation searches for bodies after a swarm of winter tornadoes, one of which scorched the earth for 227 miles. I looked that up this morning. That's from here to downtown Durham. Or from Atlanta to Weaverville. You all must know by now, you know my preaching, if you've been here a while, you know I don't believe God goes around smiting people. I've got a list of people that need smiting. <laughs> I've been working on a list of smiting for many years. How many of you have a smite list? Some smite list. I think if we put our heads together, we put together a pretty good smite list. I'm glad I'm not in charge of smiting. I'm glad many Sundays that neither are y'all. <laughs> but I do believe we're living through something like a time of judgment. I, I, can't just, I just can't shake off the sense that that's where we are. We're living in a time of exposed inhumanities. The shallow parts and the cruel parts and even the numb parts of our lives have been revealed to us in, in ways that we, we will ignore at our peril. And, and I wonder, I think there's just so many things that, that are broken. I wonder, after all that's happened out there, in here, happened to us, the people we know and love, why don't we just give up? In other words, I guess I wonder, why, why is it you're here? Why are you still here? 
Maybe it's because we still believe God is who Zephaniah says God is. Even more, maybe it's because God refuses to give up on us and keeps pulling us toward home. Zephaniah sees the judgment coming, but what I find most remarkable about about him is that he also sees through it. Now notice I didn't say he sees past it. He doesn't look around it. He doesn't ignore it. He sees it, but he also has this vision where he can see also out beyond it. I want you to catch that vision that Zephaniah offers. Not just to see what's pulling us down. Not just to see the decreation, but the new creation on the other side. He articulates the judgment, but he can see through it to the joy. He sees a faithful remnant coming home. Now that strikes a chord with you, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, I don't mean to flatter you, but uh, you're still here. After all that's happened, you're here. You're here. You're part of the remnant. And God sees a faithful remnant coming home. Even more, Zephaniah, he he sees God turning us around and turning around to meet us. And St. Augustine said, once the Lord has turned us around so that we begin to face toward God, although we are still wayfarers, we are tending toward our homeland. This is your destiny. Imagine God like a father waiting in the wings of the vestibule to escort his daughter down the aisle to meet her beloved. She comes out into the vestibule, radiant, beautiful. And when he sees her coming, he tears up and he he dances a little jig. And he opens his arm to embrace her and he says, you look so beautiful. He embraces her, pulls her close to himself, and says, I love you. When I was in high school, we had a good band. We had a good marching band. And I go to the football games, so much fun. Such a fun time in life, if there's not a pandemic. <laughs> and uh, I always look forward to halftime because, uh, not, not even so much because of the band, but because of the drum major. The drum major, he'd stand on this platform, it was almost as tall as this pulpit, and he'd stand on top of it so everybody could see him. And then, uh, you know, the, the band was orderly and disciplined, gifted. But then somewhere along the way, that band would get worked up, and then the drum major would kind of turn loose. And he, he'd lose his composure a bit, and then he'd, he'd turn around and start dancing in front of the whole crowd. And that was even better than the football game. I mean, he'd really get to dance. I mean, he was, I can't do it, but he, he was dancing. I mean, I think I'm descended from people who like wine danced and like, you know, circled down. I don't even know. I didn't inherit dancing, gene, but, um, but he did. And he'd have us all just dancing. People stand up in the crowd and start dancing. 
It, it was like this joyous moment every Friday night in a town that, frankly, didn't unite over a whole lot of other things. <laughs> a mother. God as mother welcoming a wavered daughter home. That's what God calls Jerusalem here, a daughter. Think of a mother standing in the doorway seeing her daughter come home from, I don't know what, a long separation, maybe from COVID, or maybe she'd been somewhere she never ought to have been for a long time. And she walks in to the carport. She comes in through the side door, and there's mother waiting for her, weeping. And this mother doesn't dance often, but she's dancing now. This is the God who's pulling at us. This is the God whose gravitational pull we are feeling. It strikes our hearts as a little electric pulse that picks up on the dark matter in the air, and you can feel it if you're looking for it. God, jubilant to gather us again with promises to remove disaster from you, Zephaniah says, to save the lame and the outcast, to change our shame into praise and renown in all the earth. And though we've been whipsawed by the wind, and though we've been beleaguered by our own wandering, and though withered by the heat of the day as we are, God still has us, and God still keeps us, and God still beckons us home. Friends, here, friends near and far, hear Zephaniah's prophecy, and through that, God's call to come home and to know this. That though the day of judgment, the day of the Lord, begins as a day of judgment, it ends with dancing.